This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. In 1988, he startled us with a frightening vision. Then he was destroyed and left for dead. Now, he's about to be reborn. Sorry, Jack. Chucky's back. Child's Play 2. You know, we haven't gotten a decent night's sleep since he got here. It's playtime again. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Sequel to Deja Vu, a new show we're doing here at Cinema Degeneration. And we are several episodes deep, and we have quite a doozy for you this evening. Uh, we are going to be reviewing and dissecting Child's Play Part 2 from 1990, directed by John Lafia, uh, who unfortunately is no longer with us. Rest in peace. He passed away last year in uh, late 2020. Uh, prolific director, did a lot of the early Joe Bob's drive-in theater. Uh, he did Freddy's Nightmares, among other, others. But we're covering Child's Play 2. Sorry, Jack, but Chucky's back. And joining me this evening, or actually this afternoon, because it's only noon when we're recording this, but, you know, that doesn't matter. But joining me this uh, afternoon is my good buddy and Uber fan, Eric Phillips. How we doing? Uh, we're doing good, as usual. <laughs> yeah. And we're covering another part two. It just seems to be a motif for us, sort of covering part twos, but it's a sequel show, so, you know, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Now, I, I know we, we talked a little bit before the, the show, uh, you know, as I always say, I like to save a lot of this stuff for on-air shit, but, you know, we're talking a little bit about the movie and other sequels and whatnot, but this one, I don't know which Chucky I saw more, part two or part three, but they were all over USA, all over Cinemax and HBO at the time, where you would see, not really part one a whole lot, but you would see part two and part three, like, 
a multitude of times. Like it would show like oh, three yeah. times a day. Oh yeah, constantly. <laughs> It'd be one, two, and three, and then after three would start playing, they'd go back to two. <laughs> right. But yeah, this is a. You know, I, I I actually think besides I'm maybe this is sacrilege to some people. This is my favorite sequel. It's a neck and neck between this and Bride of Chucky. I'm still a big Bride of Chucky fan. Seed uh, of Chucky, not so much. Seed of Chucky is not one of my favorites. But Child's Play 2 and Bride of Chucky, two stellar, stellar sequels. But let's go ahead and go right off into the short IMDb synopsis, and then let's start tearing into the film. <laughs> and the synopsis is as follows. While Andy's mother is admitted to a psychiatric hospital, the young boy is placed in foster care, and Chucky, determined to reclaim Andy's soul, is not far behind. And that's pretty much the gist of the movie. It's the same uh, you know, plot line as the f- first movie. Uh, Chucky wants Andy's soul because, you know, he was, you know, for those of you who don't know, and for those of you who are listening to this show and don't know the backstory of Chucky, I don't know why on earth you're here. Uh, go back... <laughs> Go back and at least watch the original trilogy, turn off the podcast, watch Child's Play 1, 2, and even Part 3 before you tune back in, because we're going to be spoiling a whole bunch of shit. whole bunch of shit. But uh, yeah, you know, to give you the backstory for those of you who don't know, you know, Charles Lee Ray, a.k.a. Chucky, was a serial killer, you know, and all around just a crime figure that uh, puts his soul via some voodoo incantations into a play pals chucky doll and you know he uh, as the story goes you know he reveals his his true self to little andy barkley in the beginning and since he was the first person that he revealed his true self to that he has to transfer his soul into andy and it's the whole you know, ah, Dewey, Dembala, give me the power, I beg of you, and all that stuff that, we, you know, and really up until the end of this, very end of this movie, we never see or hear the full incantation that, that Chucky gives. And, well, well, we'll try to cover this in a linear fashion. Don't want to jump all the way ahead to the ending just quite yet. But I thought the, the I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, Eric, but I thought the opening was very much it gave me a reminder of like Frankenstein of them reassembling the Chucky doll, the original Chucky doll that somehow play pal, you know, toys got a hold of. They must've got it from police lockup or, you know, or, or uh, evidence lockup, but you know, they cleaned it up. They put a new body on the, the, the shell. And as they're putting the eyes in, you know, uh, electricity kind of jazzes it up and I, I, it kind of reminded me of Frankenstein, you know what I mean, of using electricity yeah. to revive Chucky. It, it did, it did have that that, uh, that feel to it. Um, but uh, going back on what you were saying, to kind of cover the first movie a little bit, like you were talking about the incantation that he does. But one of the other things is we see the first part when he does that incantation in the first movie. It's within the first like 10 minutes of the film at the, to- at the toy store when he gets into the shootout and the cops there and gets him good and puts his soul in the doll. But before he's doing that, he's also animating these other toys that are trying to kill this cop. He's right, right. firsthand at the end of the movie, the two cops 
blow Chucky away, light his ass on fire, all kinds, of, all kinds of stuff. They've seen this happen. And then in the first 10 minutes of the movie of the second opening, we find out Andy's in foster care. The mom's in psychiatric evaluation. Both of the cops that seen this shit go down have rolled over on Andy and his mom, which is why he's in foster care and she's in psychiatric evaluation. And we yeah. also learn that corporate America will do anything to make a buck because this friggin' killer doll has <laughs> been all over the news. It's all it's, it's a big friggin' thing. Oh yeah, it's just, just like, like hey, you, you know, know what? let's make the this you know this kid's clearly traumatized by this doll and it's in the news and stuff. Way to make it, no good. <laughs> what what's the saying go? There's no such thing as bad publicity. Right, right. <laughs> but they're just trying to save face. They're trying to pr prove like we're going to reassemble this doll and prove that it's not possessed. Yeah, that right? sounds like a great fucking idea. Yeah, like why would they even you know care? Pay the fucking people off and just be done with it. Is corporate america would normally do but uh but the yeah thing, yeah the whole idea the backstory that you know officer mike that chris sarandon played you know rolled over on the mom rolled over on andy and just you know it, it goes back to the end of the first movie where they're having that conversation is like who you know who are we going to tell who would believe us exactly you know and like and then so they just roll over on it and like after everything they saw they know it's to be true but but it just goes to show you what uh, human beings will do to sa save their uh, to save their jobs, right? Or, and or to save one of the face. things that I really really noticed about the opening sequel too is I really like the animation that they went about to. They, you know, they're showing you this company reconstructing this style, and one of the things they show is Chucky has a metal head and porcelain teeth. We'll get back to that. Yeah, yeah. Like and why 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 would a doll a plastic doll have one have a me metal endoskeleton, and with like, you know, come on, like like let's 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 be realistic here, you know. I mean, uh, the doll's made out of fucking plastic for Christ's well, sakes. For the but animatronics of the mouth and the eye movement and the stuff to make it animated, I understand that. I, I get why they made the skull metal and stuff. That you know, as a production worker, you know that makes sense. You know, you, you gotta that. you gotta reinforce that to make the parts move and stuff like that. They're they're gonna use metal more than anything. I get that, but there's something that you know if you're gonna make you're gonna put that much money into a shot in an opening scene shot, uh, you better make it consistent with the rest of your movie. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, I'll get back to that. It's just one of those things. Since we're here at the opening, I'm pointing that out for a reason. Yeah, right, right, yeah, because it will come back. It will come. Back. Oh, it will. Uh, and then we get introduced to uh, the asshole. Uh, I forgot the actor's name that played him. Oh, shit. I, had, I thought I had it written down, but uh, not the technician, but the boss, Sullivan, the, the asshole that's in, in charge of the company. He would return at the beginning of part three. He would yes. not last. He would not last long and rightfully so. But uh, the uh, oh, God, Peter Haskell. I had to look it up while we were talking I'm like that was him. He, great little character actor. But he's one of the few returning actors that would 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 return for any uh, you know movie sequels. But you know I, I love the you know when Chucky gets reanimated and all the you know the late '80s early '90s uh, you know electricity sparkles you know that they would animate you know blows the guy back like like he's just got hit by a Gatlin gun sends him back through the plate glass window somersaulting asshole over apple cart. 
you know, uh, <laughs> he, he literally does car. That's an amazing saying. I always heard ass over tea kettle, but <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but yeah, the backward somersault, you know, what a, what a way to begin, you know, and, uh, and another note I had to make was, uh, Alex Vincent, you know, as little Andy Barkley re- returning, he is a much better actor this time around. Now, granted, he was like, I don't remember how old he was when he made the original. Yeah, they but, said he was six, but he looked about eight. I'd say yeah. between eight and ten. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he was not the greatest of child actors, you know, no. in, in the first movie. But most child actors are a little iffy, you know. Well, they're they're yeah. They're good, but they're not great, but... He is really good in this one. He kind of went leaps and bounds in that two years between the, you know, when part two, one was filmed and part two was shot. Uh, I, th- I thought he was just a much better actor this time around. Yeah. Yeah, he really, uh, um, really uh, emoted well um, this mm-hmm. time around. It was really stiff acting in the first movie. And this uh, this time around, you definitely get a general sense of this kid is depressed and you know, just upset because nobody is listening to him. Right. He still believes and knows what the hell's going on. But, you know, he, I think he also knows that if he keeps it to himself, you know, he might be safe from everybody else, but he's never going to be quite safe from Chucky. Yeah, kind of like uh, the foster care system in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Just just keep it crammed on down and don't say anything about it and don't don't let anybody see your pain, you know, so yeah. to speak. Which is yeah, it's, it's sad. It's, it's it's sad and it's fucked up. But you know what? That's what kids really do in the foster system go through. And you know, that's kind of a, a genius spin that they put on that movie. With you know, you know, it's it's an opening shot. You get that first kill of the, the you know, like the production worker, and they're just after this happens. They're you know, they're still talking about the doll that killed people in the story, and they're just like, oh, that's malarkey. It's like you're product, you're assembling that doll after. Years of this story going around, and the first thing that happens when you assemble this doll is a fucking production worker gets killed out of it. Right, right. <laughs> like, oh, it was just an accident. Like, no, no. Uh, read the writing on the right. wall, folks. And then you, and then right after that, you get that shot of Andy and you know talking to his counselor, and his <laughs> counselor is basically being told, "Is what Andy is all? It's just all a dream. It's like nobody is listening to him whatsoever. Nobody will listen to him. It's just automatically put off. You know, they don't think and go, well, what did he really see? Maybe he saw something else. Yeah, nobody wants to believe a kid because nobody, let's face it, it's a in kid. these type of situations in these movies, nobody ever believes the kid. It's, it's always the, the boy who cried wolf, so to speak, you know? Yeah. But yeah, and then we but, get right, you know, we'll get into the uh, the foster care program that he's in. You know, uh, we get the introduction right. of Joanne and Phil Simpson, played by Jenny Agutter and Garrett Graham, who are both like legends. I mean, Jenny Agutter was in Logan's Run, uh, American Werewolf in London, and Garrett Graham, he's B movie royalty, Terror Vision, Phantom of the Paradise, uh, Bud oh, the Chud. Yes. Used cars, great movie. Not necessarily <laughs> yes, a B movie, car. but used cars. Uh, used was... cars is great. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I totally forgot. Like during this last re- reviewing watch, I was just like, oh yeah, like this motherfucker's been in everything, like everything. You know, a hundred and uh, I made a note here, hundred and twenty six credits. His last credit acting credit was in two thousand twelve, but between you know nineteen, like I think uh, his 
first movie role was in 68 or 69. So between 69 and 2012, he did 126 credits. So he was a working actor there for quite a long time. And, but he plays somewhat of a prick in this movie. Like, I kind of... I don't like his character very much. I, I don't exactly cheer when he dies, but I don't exactly feel bad about it when he dies either. You, you talking know? about uh, Andy's foster father? Yeah, Phil. Yes, he is. He's he kind of a prick. Oh, he is. He's through, I've, I've got very many notes on Phil's ass <laughs> when I watched this, because I was like, what a prick! <laughs> Like oh, every time God. I watch this, it's like I watch it and I watched it as a kid and then some of that shit went over my head. And then as a young adult, when I got into it, I watched it. And it's like I understood it. And, you know, when you get into your 40s and you watch this dad and you get it now, it's like, good God, man, you should have never adopted. Right, right. Yeah, you never should have fostered. <laughs> yeah, he's probably the last person that deserved to have a, a foster child in his care. But like, but but the, the wife, uh, Joanne, Jenny Gutter's character, she's just a delight. She's just, you know, they never really quite get into it. But like what I got from just their interactions and whatnot was that she was probably, quote unquote, unable to have children because they had the, the whole introduction when uh, Andy comes to their house after we get uh, through the introduction. Grace, uh, Grace, I'm going to mispronounce her name Zabriskie who plays Grace Poole the uh the the foster like age the foster agent I guess you would say uh yeah you know just kind of giving them the story about you know Andy's kind of damaged he had all this trouble with him but they take him in anyway they get him back to the house and you know they have the introduction where Andy sees the little trinkets all around the little doodads and he's looking at it. He's like, oh, well, my grandmother gave it to my mother and my mother gave it to me. And she's like, oh, who oh are you're you talking about the porcelain, the porcelain statue that breaks. Yes. 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 This will come back into play later on. You know, I kind of got from that interaction was that she was just unable to have children, which is really sad when you think about it. But yeah, then, then we get. We also, we missed something right before the parents. Is that Chucky now animated calls the friggin' orphanage and the and the worker just gives him the way the info. He's like, "Oh, I'm his uncle Charles." Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, what? And he str- Oh, by the way, and that's also when he strangles the corporate douchebag who the boss told him when he's like, "Oh, we're we making this yeah, now." Like, guys, like, shove it up your ass. The no Madison character. He was just like, yeah. "Just shove it up your ass," but he takes it in his car, and he can't. Yeah, and, and of course, he can't like close it up in the trunk so he's got to put it in the back seat and he's like you know talking to his girlfriend and that's where our metal skull comes into play because he slams his friggin and you see the rubber in the friggin doll head that they're using oh yeah when he grabs him by the face when he grabs him by the face and bugs it in four inches it's like okay you why did you shoot all of that for? Why'd you spend all that time in that shot making that metal skull and those porcelain teeth to prove this point? Only to use a friggin' shot like that and you squish the doll's head. <laughs> you know, normally I I let that shit go, but opening shots like that are fucking expensive, and you just wasted everybody's money for with an inconsistency. Right, right. I'm gonna say uh, and a bad cont- one. At continuity, schmontinuity. Yeah, but I love what uh, the following sequence when Chucky kidnaps Matson, you know, because he's at the, yes. his little interaction with the liquor store clerk. He's like, that's a gold card. That's better than cash. And he's like, not nah, here. It isn't. And then, of course, you know, he ha- has to go back out to the car because Chucky has set off the car alarm. 
But I love, like, he puts a gun to his head, and this guy has no idea until, like, Chucky forces him to drive to a secluded spot, which kind of looked like a park, a parking lot in a park. And the guy (laughs) never looks back, and it's not until that last moment that I think he realizes that, you know, it's the Chucky doll. That he thought it was just probably some drunk guy in the back of his car. But I love when, like, Chucky's got got the guy tied up with like all the toys that are in the back uh, back seat. He's got him tied up with the jump ropes, and then the gun that he's a he's like bang, and then he pulls the trigger, and it's just a squirt gun. I, I love that Chucky plays with him before he like takes that plastic bag, puts it over his head, and just basically, well, uh, I, I forgot what because uh, wasn't. Brad Dor, and then we kind of mentioned Brad Dor does return at, as the voice of Chucky in this one, and and would return in all the sequels. Every yes. sequel is voiced by Brad Dorf, and that's part of what makes it work. That's the continuity. That's the thing that links it uh, from one movie to the next, uh, at least in yes. my opinion. No, it is. It's, but, it's one of the, the main the main characters coming back. You know, always make the movie so much better. And Brad Dorf constantly doing Chucky, along with Jennifer Tilly doing. Uh, Tiffany, you know, that, yes. that, that makes it enjoyable. And I am right there with you. Uh, when you, you know, you talk about the other one, two and three are definitely solid. Uh, bright. Solid trilogy. Seed seed. You kind of lose me at, but then they picked it back up with cult and, uh, curse curse. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I, like seed was really, at least in my opinion, seed was really the only misfire. Yeah, it was just, campy. It was just, yeah, it was a bit too campy. Like, to me, Bride of Chucky was just the right amount of... Yeah, of, when of you're going to put cheese in that movie, and I mean, after three sequels, yeah, you're going to have some cheese. It's just unavoidable at that point. It was just the right amount of cheese. Yeah. And then you get seed, and you're like, oh, 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 wow. Why did you buy the value can? <laughs> right, right. Why'd you buy the great value jar? jar yeah, why the, the, right, it's like, you, you know, we only needed cheese sauce for two people. This is a friggin' industrial size restaurant. Cheese sauce. <laughs> right. We're not going to, this is going to go bad before we serve them this. And oh. that's exactly what happened. But uh, getting back to where we were with the Andy statue, another thing that I had down here is like his parents are openly knowing he's around, by the way. He, they just saw him run through. They just had this talk to him and they're openly talking to him and they make that comment with this whole doll thing. It's like, you know what? Why are you foster parents? You're going to talk shit about the kid right there when he can in earshot. Right, right. <laughs> and it's, like it's, it's mentioning, you know, shit about his his mother his obvious trauma and, and just yeah. playing it down, man. And there's Phil and his twat parroting is like right away. He wants to give up like first conversation, honest conversation that we see the parents have about Andy is Phil right away is all <laughs> this whole doll thing. Are you sure we, we should just give him back or some arrogant yeah. shit? Like less than 24 hours in. And he's just like, I don't know about this. And it's like, you give up way too easy, man. But like, and here's the other thing that they said, like when they were introducing uh, Andy to his room and they're like, oh, there's a bunch of toys in the, in that toy chest over there. Oh, there's more in the closet. 
this is my biggest issue. You know that this kid has trauma, whether you believe him or not. Uh, why would you not like go through like, oh, we've had so many kids go through here. Her, her, the right, Joanne's you have excuse. The <laughs> you have the information from the agency. You know who this kid is. You heard the story. It's been in the papers. You know it. You're not going to friggin' go through those toys and go, oh, you know what? Maybe we should get rid of this doll. Yeah, and and this is a doll that's a couple foot tall. You know, it's not it, it's it's not hard to miss. You know, it, it, you know, it's it's not like a, like a random GI Joe or a Transformer. It's just like, oh, this thing is like three foot fucking tall. It's as big as Andy is almost. You know, you would right. miss it, and they're them to just be like, of course. You know, we're talking about the fact that there is another good doll, good guy doll in the closet, and <laughs> my yeah. my my note here was fucking Tommy. Fucking Tommy the talking good guy doll. Like, you know, oh, man. <laughs> it, it's just bad parenting on both their parts. This is like the one part where I felt like Joanne had kind of dropped the ball. Like, yeah, maybe she was a little overwhelmed with everything, but still. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, I have, I also had on here, I was like, Andy through emotional trauma and abandonment issues, picks up the doll he hates just to stay at some kind of normalcy. Yeah. Oh, but oh, Mr. Yeah. Simpson has resting asshole face. Yeah, oh yeah, he's got resting dick face all the way. But then, as I put it, rut moment, Chucky is m- moping around downstairs because, he, of course, he got you know the information by just saying he was Uncle Charles. And let's before I get into my bit here, um, this the, the fo- foster agency lady, you know, wouldn't she put two and two together that, you know, Chucky, Charles, Charles Lee Ray, this is my Uncle Charles, call, like, that... Did yeah. anybody like have any files or any information on Nanny's immediate family and would not know that he had a, not have an Uncle Charles? Yeah, not to mention the fact that Charles Lee Ray is the killer that he claims is friggin' possessed by the doll, and yet somebody here is calling an agency looking for Andy by the name of Charles. Yeah. <laughs> uh the the late eighties, early nineties, it was just a different time, yes. I guess. Yeah. But anyway, the rut row moment, getting back to that. Uh Chucky takes the the porcelain doll when he comes face to face with Tommy while he's moping around downstairs and breaks the porcelain doll by smashing good guy doll Tommy over the over and over again with the fit in the face with it. Then he buries a uh, good guy Tommy in the backyard. And I love it. I love Brad Doris laugh. I love his fucking laugh as Chucky. You know, it's it's just great. It's chilling. But the next what the fuck moment. This is the biggest what the fuck moment of the movie. Where I put, ah, the 90s. They actually let Alex Vincent, Andy Barkley, take a puff on his cigarette when he's downstairs with uh, the other foster Kyle. kid. Yeah, Kyle, played by uh, Christine Elise. And you know, this is the first movie I've ever seen her in, and I thought she did a wonderful job. She really is a very likable fucking uh, kind of, you know anti-hero type character but like you know she's like don't ever smoke it's bad for it but you're doing it and she like hands him the cigarette so she can switch the laundry but they actually let little alex vincent take a puff on the cigarette because he he exhales it and coughs and there was not cgi back then like there was where they could cgi cigarette cigarette smoke like oh the 90s like uh parents just were kind of like hey as long as you're writing that check my kid can smoke a cigarette i don't give a fuck but uh yeah and then poor yeah. andy you know when he poor andy th- i think this is the point where the phil and joanne 
are having the conversation about, you know, Andy and whether or not they should give up on him and the doll thing. And then, like like you said, you know, Andy just trying to fit in and have a place to stay in some semblance of family goes and gets the doll, which, you know, we will find out later is actually Chucky since poor little Tommy got buried in the backyard. But, like, with all the trauma that he has, he's just like, okay, I'm going to embrace that which I fear. And, you know, poor Andy, but, like, good for Andy, you know, like, showing he's a little bit more grown up than anybody else in this movie. But, uh, uh, yeah, um, the Kyle, uh, Andy Alliance is really set up really good too. Cause you can, you can see that she genuinely cares about the kid and you know, the way they, they just set it up for a slow realization. And that's a really, really good way, you know, to introduce the new characters and, you know, still keep it fresh. Well, I think the reason why, at least in, in my eyes that, uh, they did that slow build with uh, Kyle's character was that, you know, she was much older. You know, Andy was supposed to be like eight, nine, nine years old or so at the time. She was supposed to be, what, 16? Yeah. And she had already said that she had been through dozens of foster places, which is why she even has the line where you haven't unpacked yet. She's like, why? I've never stayed in any place more than a couple of weeks or a month. You know, why am I going to unpack? And you just kind of realize that she knows what Andy's in for being involved in the foster, you know, system. And it's kind of sad. I think she was just, you know, kind of feeling for him in an almost matronly kind of way. And just like, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to help this kid. I'm going to try to teach him everything I know. So he doesn't get just doesn't get blindsided by it. Right. And just, you know, and then poor Andy, just as he tries coming around, what happens? Fucking, you know, he's sleeping, you know, and Chucky pounces on him and goes for his soul. I mean, like, the minute, the minute he let, lets his guard down that night, like, Chucky's coming yep, for his there soul. There he is. Poor fucking kid, man. Like, and then Phil, parent, parent of the fucking year, his answer is to, is to what? To toss Chucky down the stairs into the basement? Yeah, yeah I just, I, like really that—that's. Uh, he just oh, seemed he like a guy who. <laughs> was that before or after the school scene? Uh, it's before the school scene, or yeah. that's a, that's after school because he uh, kills the teacher. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we got. I, I couldn't remember if he tossed him down the stairs first, and then no, the next Phil, more. Phil's at the end. Because I can't, I couldn't remember the the, the sequence or whatnot. Because I thought he threw him down the steps, and then the next day, you know, uh, Andy was going to school, and then Chucky followed him on underneath the bus, kind of Kate Fear, Robert De Niro style, hanging out underneath the the vehicle. Yeah, the school happens first because, uh, well, Chucky <laughs> forcefully inserts the lifeline card into her anus. for all you Donnie Darko fans out there (laughs) (laughs) well well, well, getting back to the scene where like Chucky is trying to like he's like hey Andy we're good friends again he's like did you miss me and he's trying to steal his soul he's interrupted by Kyle who had snuck out she's sneaking back in through the through the window and the way they just kind of blase and they're like Kyle oh I can't believe you did this to him but of course they're blaming you know and I will say this, what parent would fucking believe, whether it was a foster parent or not, would believe that, you know, the Chucky doll did that. Yeah, did that. 
they come in and like she's literally there next to the bed untying him and taking the gag out of his mouth but the way they're just like so blase about it like oh kyle this is beneath even you like i can't believe you snuck out and and did this like if they really really thought that she had bound and gagged andy would they they, i mean the the, their blase way of acting about it is just funny like it's great it's great they're they're the worst parents ever yeah, you know what? No, and once again, nobody believes Andy. Mister Simpson yet again makes it clear he doesn't want Andy around. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he really liked the idea of having any kind of. Uh, yeah, the, the, he, he was. He wasn't in, in foster. He wasn't in the foster system for the care of the kids. That's for sure. Oh no, no! I think he was doing it at, as a way to placate his wife and just kind of just be like, "Okay, honey, you want a kid? You want to have foster kid?" And like. Okay, okay, we'll do this. I, I'll hate it and yep. I'll complain every and step then, of the way. And then right after that whole school scene happens and then the fucking tie-up and stuff, that's when Phil goes down to the basement and he says, how's it hanging, Phil? <laughs> oh, I love that line. Uh, and well, then Chucky, Chucky kills him, and then the mom immediately all like hating on Andy. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, yeah, that lasted. Well, you know, I can kind of under, understand that whether she thought Andy was responsible for Phil's death or not, you know, her husband is still laying there at the bottom of the stairs with a broken neck and Andy's standing there with a, you know, electric carving knife. We'll say that good thing, good thing for Andy being proactive, going to hunt Chucky down with an electric carving knife. That was pretty fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> but the the teacher, oh, Beth Grant is what I, I wrote down. Woman has two hundred and thirty-three credits. Yes, and she always plays like ninety percent of the time I've seen her in movies. Is she's always this old-fashioned, prudish, like school marm type. Yeah, yeah, and, that, just, and that's where we actually have a. I, that's why I liked your Donnie Darko reference because she was in Donnie Darko. Uh, she was also just recently in Willie's Wonderland with Nick Cage, uh, and yes. she always just kind of played that weirdo fucking spinster sister character. But yeah, but when the death is kind of weird, you you can tell that like I think they cut it down. I know this had some problems with the MPAA, and they had to cut down some of the violence and whatnot. Yeah, but, you can tell that that definitely got cut short because they they don't even really show it. They cut away. But yeah, I love or with a ruler. I love the shot of Chucky, the, the full-on animatronics of Chucky, you know, because most of the time they show Chucky in, you know, certain sections. They show him from the head to the waist or from the waist down or, you know. Yeah, they never it's, did you show him full-on because it's so, it was so difficult at the time without CGI to do the full-on animatronics. But, like, this shot of Chucky walking full-on out of the closet with the big yardstick is just so impressive. It's a great, great shot. Yeah, and they did the way he moves so stiffly, like it just it fits perfectly, and it was it was just a perfect shot. You are are correct because I mean in the first movie you can tell when it's uh, slightly animatronics, and then you can tell where they used uh, a little person for. Yeah. Andy's, oh yeah, you can definitely or, tell. Or doll. And then two, they went, two, well, they they went for more full on animatronics. They went a lot more animatronics on this one. Yes, they did, and it it really paid off. It really, I mean, you can't mimic that stiffness, you know, right? Very well, unless you're a really good method actor, <laughs> right? 
And I mean, even then, it's still you can still kind of tell. And that animatronic, it just gives it that janky movement. It's just like, ugh. Yeah, this feels like something otherworldly. Yes, it doesn't. It doesn't even look right. You're just like, oh, <laughs> stop. Oh, but I love the part where Chucky, uh, you know, kind of pops out because Andy is getting kind of bullied by a kid. I think they're flipping spit wads at him or flicking his ear or something. And then he just says something. Of course, the teacher sides. It, it just seems like always with these bullying scenes in movies with like kids, like the teacher always comes down on the person who reacts like, Oh no, no, this is not the way we act in our classroom. What about the jackass that's fucking with me? You know, but <laughs> that's true but to the, real life. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, it's very true. Very true to real life. I dealt with a lot of that during the day. Yeah, so did I, but when, <laughs> when she's letting everybody else out for recess before, this is before she gets killed, but she lets everybody out for recess Andy's going to put some of his toys away and she's going through the papers and Chucky had written in big, bold letters, fuck you bitch across right. Andy's paper. <laughs> I thought it was just like, Oh, come on, man. Chucky, you're trying to st steal the soul. Do you have to sabotage his school career as well? <laughs> Well, if you think about it, it's ingenious because the other kids are going to go into recess. He's going to be left behind. Can't nobody see a big, can't have a bunch of kids seeing about the doll running around. So isolate uh, the teacher, steal the soul. I mean, it's, it's a solid plan. Yeah, it, it is. Doesn't work Chucky out. Is a <laughs> Chucky, Chucky's a maniacal little bastard. Fucking love him. Thumbs yeah, up awesome. to Charles Lee Ray. He's one of my favorite little on-screen slashers, man. No pun intended. And I love the like the shots. Some of the shots in this are really do done well with what they call uh, uh, referred to as the Dutch angles, with the very odd angles, like when Andy's looking through into the closet where the teacher had, uh, where Mrs. Kettlewell had put Chucky into the closet and then locked it. Yes. And the shot through the keyhole when Chucky's eyes there, nice little forced perspective. This movie right. has a lot of great photography. It really does. But it's, uh, it's, it's it's sequels done right. Yeah, it's a it's a sequel that you know, damn it, if I don't love it almost as much as I love the original. Like yeah, I would, just, I would put it up there. Yeah, I mean it's just as good, maybe just a smidge under par, you know, with the first one. I, I don't know. I would say it's a smidge better because I'm just the the animatronics and you know it, two is one is definitely the solid you know, story, that's where your origins comes from, that's where, you know, that's where everything is set in emotions. And then when yes. a sequel comes along, 90% of the time, it's usually pretty bad. But every now and then, we get a few good gems, and some of them, some of them even surpass the original. And it, I, yeah. I wouldn't say it, it surpasses it, but I'd say it's right there with it. Oh, Almost yeah. like you I gotta would. watch one and two together. Like, yeah, it's a great it's, double, it's, it's double like feature. a continuation. It, yeah, it's definitely a double feature. Definitely. It's kind of like putting Halloween one and two together. You know, it's almost yeah. a continuation of that same night. You could yes. watch them almost continuously. You know, you just cut the beginning and end credits off, put them together, and it would be almost like one solid film. Yes. Um. But uh, then what we get, and Andy is isn't fooled you know he knows what's happened at the uh he knows what happened at the school he knows that the t you know the chucky's there again for him you know again nobody believes andy again he's not fooled he goes for the electric uh the, the electric carver 
which is the third appearance in most recent movies that I've done that we had, uh, we had a slasher that, uh, we did where an electric carver makes an appearance. We just reviewed maximum overdrive where an electric carver makes an appearance. There's something about like, um, it's a tool almost kind of like a, like a chainsaw, you know, it makes a noise and it has that noise that is synonymous with that, you know, tool. And it's just, you know, again, it doesn't really ever get used. I have a theory of the, the the carving knife thing, dude. I think that's thrown in for those seventies and eighties dads when the freaking electric carving knife was first introduced, and everybody was like, "Oh, what a great thing!" And then they cut themselves wide open with it because, you know, it was a brand fangled new in- invention. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so wait, oh, I, I remember have to having saw one this of back those and forth while it's sawing back and forth. No, dad. <laughs> I wish I would have known that before I lost my middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's why those things were such a fad. Uh, that and lawn darts. Nobody oh, lawn darts. about making one of those today. <laughs> oh, God, no. Nobody, that, that, that is not safe. <laughs> a not safe children's toy. Yeah, lawn darts. Big, heavy spikes with, you know, plastic flanges that could, like, impale you. I'm like, how now many stand kids... up there and throw it at my hoop. <laughs> like, well, oh. I hold the hoop. Just don't throw well, it to the left. Don't throw it to the left. I'd like to create. I'd like to thank Jeff for being the first person ever to invent the piercing the Prince Charles. <laughs> <laughs> where oh. you pierce your stick. That's where you pierce your scrotum and your fucking two ball at once <laughs> with a lawn dart. Yeah, didn't know that was originated <laughs> by a twelve-year-old, right? <laughs> <laughs> what a family-friendly game. <laughs> Oh, but then this is where we get, we're getting back to uh, what we were mentioning earlier. This is where Phil gets it. Phil comes downstairs while Andy is fighting with, uh, Andy is fighting with Chucky downstairs in the basement. And Chucky trips him, is holding him there with that hook and just comes face to face with him. And Phil gets to realize about what, three to four seconds before he dies that, oh, Andy was right all along because I love that line. How's a hanging, Phil? Is this? And then he just drops him right on his head, breaks his neck. Mm-hmm. It's real enough for you? Yeah. Is this? Yeah. Is this real enough for you, fuckface? <laughs> and while although I, I I will admit, like you know, I feel bad for Andy in this. I you got to feel bad for Joanne because she's got to be thinking, okay, this kid really was did have some emotional issues. She's of course not going to believe that it it was Chucky, you know, never going to believe that no rational adult would ever believe that we believe it because we're seeing it from the audience perspective, but you can't really blame Joanne's reaction. You you, you can't, it's, it's, it's a pretty damn good reaction, but you know, and then Kyle, Kyle is really, you know, Andy's best friend in any of these movies, you know, she sticks with him through, Thick and thin. She comes back uh, briefly for a cut scene. I think it was in was it Cult of Chucky or Curse of Chucky? I know she came back for a, a brief scene in one of those. I think I, it was Curse. That's what I want to say. I get Curse and Cult mixed up a little bit. I do too. I, I, they're so fresh, and I have only seen them a couple of times still. And we ought to take one little break here for just a moment to mention that they are currently developing and currently filming and making a Chucky miniseries that may go beyond 
just a, a one season from what I understand. That's depending on how. Yes. I, I'm looking forward to that ever since the wife told me. And oh, it, everybody it, it, that they're bringing back for it, they're bringing back, oh. I mean, they're bringing back Brad Dorif, Jennifer Tilly, Alex Vincent as Andy. They're bringing back uh, Christine Elise as Kyle. I've off. I heard an off the rumor on a page uh, and I don't know how I will believe it when I see it, but that uh, Catherine Hicks, was going to be coming back as Andy's mother. Wow. One episode. And that, that they were even in rumors of trying to get Chris Sarandon back to play officer Mike. Oh, now, wow. I, yeah. That I don't would know. be, that yeah. would be a good show. Yeah. But I mean, Don, uh, Don Mancini is, uh, is heading up that whole thing and writing and, you know, co-producing and direct it, directing it. And Don Mancini is pretty much like, the, the, the brainchild, Chucky was his brainchild, you know. Tom Holland directed the first one, Don Mancini directed a couple of the sequels and wrote and produced them, you know. So I, I think I feel like the, the Chucky series is something that they've always kind of, they've always sort of kept in the family, so to speak. Yeah. You know, and that, that well, I'm excited. That's right that. by it. Yeah, and it just it has it has that kind of more of a family feel. It's kind of like the Phantasm series that they were always kind of done in house. You know, they never kind of farmed them out to somebody else and just like, eh, we're going to sell the rights and just let somebody else take it over. We don't care. Now Don Mancini was always like, no, I I this is my baby. Right. And but we don't want to talk about too much about a series that hasn't fully even really happened yet. But I been super excited for that i i am excited it definitely has a lot of potential if done right and you know bringing the cast back definitely is one of the main things it gives you a good standing chance to be successful in bringing such a film back and they've known this for so long they've, yeah. that's why the chucky movies keep doing so good and for once you know a series where you know they could actually sit down and you know give backstory of how all this originally started. We get a little bit of it in the first and second movies, but they could really like take the time and tell this story. Nice, long, slow burn horror. And that would be good for a Chucky series because it would definitely bring something back to it that that we haven't seen before. Well, I think, you know, it it worked for Ash versus Evil Dead. You know, that went on for three seasons and we got three amazing seasons with that. I would be fully on board for, three full seasons of a Chucky series. I would be there each day, every day. But that being said, yeah, uh, I will be, that'll, I will be first on board for that when that first comes out. But getting back to our, our subject and the task at hand here with Chucky, Phil is now dead. Joanne is just, uh, just uh, beside herself. Beside herself. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Kyle though, has the foresight, you know, she's helping Andy get packed up. The, you know, Grace has come back and is, you know, taking them back to foster care. But she has the foresight to at least grab the Chucky doll. More foresight than I would even credited her in the beginning when I first saw the movie. You know, I would have thought like, ah, she was just going to blow off Andy and just be done with it. But no, she puts Andy back. Not Andy back. <laughs> she puts Chucky out in the garbage can. <laughs> like it would have been a different type of movie if she would have forced Andy in the garbage can. That would have been different. But uh, and then later on, uh, Kyle discovers the Barry Tommy doll because there's the the rope swing, and her foot kind of skids and starts kind of digging up the ground, and then she sees the Tommy doll all smashed up, and she just, you know, 
she knows. Like, I think yeah. she just fully realizes, like, oh, shit, this kid might have been telling the truth. And yeah, I think, you know, the, the one death in this movie that doesn't play out very well, it's the one death I felt like they kind of cheated a little bit was Joanne. When um, Christina Lee says Kyle goes back up into the uh, into the upstairs where Joanne is, you think she's, you know, quote unquote, you know, sewing, but you can tell the way she's sitting there, she's dead. When he spins her around and she's been like strangled, the makeup just isn't very good. It, it's one of the very few, you know what I mean? One of the very few parts that I was just, I felt a little let down by in retrospect. But yeah, you know, it, 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 they could have done a better shot. They could have, yeah. they could have gave us more. And not only that, just the, the off camera kill is never, don't, don't put it in your movie. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I was trying to get at. Like the, it was an off-camera kill, and and also like the post-death makeup was just not great. Yeah, well, I think it was it, bad. they were going for that, you know, that reveal for Kyle, thinking, "Oh, Joanne, what's what's wrong? What's going on?" And then, boom, you know, she's dead. I, I think that's what they were going for. It just was a slight bit of a misfire. I'm not trying to piss on the movie too much because I love it, yeah. but it, it's, it's one of those, it's just like, eh, womp, womp, little bit of, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm like, not oh, a big, come on. <laughs> yeah. But I, this think, is the reason we're here. <laughs> because I think the backstory for Chucky wasn't, is that he was like, didn't they call him this, uh, the such and such strangler South side strangler. That's it. South side strangler. Because it goes back from to Chicago. The, yeah. Because he, he strangles where he smothers the, the executive Manson in the beginning. And then he strangles and chokes Joanne out. Well, we, we see the aftermath of it. So it goes back to the idea of like, you know, Chucky wasn't just a, a killer with a knife. He was somebody who liked to get his jollies off by strangling. So I felt like they kept that going in this movie. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was, that was good. But this is the note I made, and I want to know what you think about this. I think this goes back into uh, the porcelain teeth thing that you were talking about in the beginning. Is Chucky is an awfully bitey little bastard. Like when he jumps on Kyle's back, and when he jumps on like Andy's back uh, earlier on in the basement scene, he's just going on like when he's not trying to stab them, he's just no, he trying scratches, to bite. Them. He bites. He kicks. He he friggin' uses every friggin' thing to his advantage that he can. He just violent <laughs> <laughs> and this is the instance where we get to an introduction with a couple of characters that surprised the ever loving hell out of me uh the two cops like when chucky kind of kidnaps you know kyle and forces her to drive to uh, the foster home you know or where uh andy had been taken and she's speeding and he's like He's doing the whole thing like, God damn, women drivers. He's just right. like going off on shit. Uh, the cops actually aren't too big of dicks. Most of the time when the cops are introduced in scenes like that, they're either like they try to come on to the girl or they're being smarmy or they're being assholes. This cop is just like, oh, is that a good guy, doll? I love these things. What, what, what's yeah. your name, little guy? And he just turns and looks at him and just goes, Chucky. <laughs> right, and, and his no, when his and, nose starts you know, bleeding, and then he's like, "You ever seen dolls that pee? This one bleeds." <laughs> and that was it. It's like, why is that friggin' doll such a curmudgeon, man? Chucky, like, he is angry. Why did they make an angry doll? <laughs> Nothing ever stands out to these people. 
why no. they, that's why they're horror movie fodder. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Too they're stupid just, to pay attention. They're just fodder collateral damage is what they are, you know. They they, they got you know, they gotta have these people there to push the story along and to and or die. <laughs> Not to mention, by the way, now that Kyle knows <laughs> Chucky is real, this is the setup for the third movie of Andy getting fucked over again. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh gosh. I, I do love the trick when Kyle manages to get rid of Chucky at least for a moment when uh he keeps telling her, drive faster. Can't you get this tub of shit to move any quicker? And she's very smart by using, which I've seen this trope used in several movies, but it's always a good, to me, always a good move when they do this, where the protagonist puts on their seatbelt while the antagonist is just kind of all willy-nilly in the front, you know, riding shotgun or in the back seat, and that's when she crams on the brakes. But Chucky ain't, ain't really to be put put down that easy, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, he she, she manages to get rid of him. What for about a whole sixty seconds before you yeah. know? Yeah. Did we miss the orphanage director biting it? I think that comes next because um, okay, I wasn't I wasn't one hundred percent sure. I, I just remember the orphanage worker bites it. I couldn't remember if that was before or after. I think that's after because it's they pulled the they used the fire alarm trick as I put it uh, as I on my notes. That's right. Meanwhile, back at foster care, the old fire alarm trick. And, uh, you know, Kyle is standing there with Chucky and just kind of look, looking very like her eyes are saying everything. You're like, she's not saying like, hey, this doll's got me here held hostage. But she's in her eyes. She's like, hey, this shit ain't normal. Ixnay right. on the all day. <laughs> right. But yeah, Grace gets that. She gets stabbed to death. And I mean, I got to hand it to Kyle. She's really a fucking hero in this movie. You know, and yeah. we're we're. Uh, I mean, and the one thing I don't get, the well, not the one thing, but there's several things that I don't get, you know, but it's always movie logic. And I always say, unless right. you're the one writing and directing the film, you, you don't <laughs> fully understand 100% of what they're going for. But right. why was the good guy doll place, the, the play pal place, so close to the orphanage or, or to the foster care? <laughs> right. It's just convenient. <laughs> yeah, awfully convenient that, like, Andy was able to run a couple of blocks away to this big factory of, where they're making good guy dolls, the bane of his existence, right next to his foster care facility. Yeah, especially like, after he almost gets creamed in the movie by one of their semis. Right? <laughs> oh. like, I didn't learn my lesson the first time I almost got hit. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that goes all the way back to the beginning of it when that uh, <laughs> when, when the, the semi-truck almost creams the the Simpsons car. Oh boy. But back to the good guy doll factory. As I put in here, Rut Row Part Two. <laughs> but I, I I I get the fact that like Chucky, you know, had a time limit. You know, is a lot and they play play it off very well, like, you know, his nose is bleeding from where he got smashed and and sent down the you know the steps. So kind of playing into that first movie's motif. Yeah, uh, he's got a limited. They did. Um, yeah. If you notice on the shots, if you go back to the earlier part of the movie and look at Chucky, he's more doll-like. But at the end of that movie, they airbrushed the doll, or they did something to change the look of it because it looks like the skin is actually starting to turn more human. That's yeah. something that I caught. <laughs> I was like, 
that's a that whatever they did to do that, that was pure genius because that sets up, you know, first off, it plays off the lore. Secondly, you know, it ties in with the first movie of if you wait too long, you're going to be stuck in that body. And lo and behold, Chucky finally catches Andy, which, by the way, this whole movie, something we didn't bring up, is a chase movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a it, whole cat it, and mouse of it is. Chucky it's a whole trying chase to get, movie. Yeah, it's Chucky trying to chase Andy down and get him alone long enough to do the incantation. Right, and he finally gets to he goes to perform his voodoo ritual of cheese, and nope, no dice. <laughs> he looks down and like you. It, I love that pause, that pause right. that they have where you don't know for a second did it work? Did, is Chucky you know really inside Andy you know or or whatnot? But nope. His nose starts bleeding, and Chucky loses his shit. Yes, he does. I've been in this body too long. Such a great oh. shot through that angry, mean-looking face they put on the animatronics of that thing. Oh, my God. So great. You know, uh, I did make a point to write down a w- one. I didn't realize this while I was watching the movie, but I started looking at the the Wikipedia and the IMDb, you know, trivia as I always do, trying to find out little tidbits. But uh, Don Mancini had stated that r- the reasoning for there being so many good guy dolls in the factory, you know, this factory is just packed to the gills with hundreds and thousands of these uh, good guy dolls is that it was supposed to be coming up on Christmas time again, just like in the first movie. So that was the justification of there being so many good guy dolls around. At first I was just like, why? It just seems like they have an influx of fucking, uh, they're like packed to the gills and capacity with dolls. It didn't seem, you know, it seemed a little unlikely, but that given that bit of the story, that makes sense to me now. Oh yeah. I worked retail and, toys and between the Furby craze and the friggin' cabbage patch kids from the eighties and all that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you tickle me Elmo dolls. Yeah. Tickle me Elmo was another one that was really big. It's like people will fucking lose their mind if they, <laughs> that's why that yeah, it makes complete totals. That's Christmas shopping season. That's a warehouse stock full of yeah. <laughs> dolls. I, <laughs> yeah. I remember working retail at the point when Furbies were, a big thing and getting to be big and we just sold out of them and i had worked at a uh a kohl's that was selling these furbies and i remember working on uh black friday and people came in wanting to get you know furby dolls and i had to tell you know furby toys and i had to tell them now we don't have any um, i've had so many people scream and yell and curse at me like I worked in the factory and was like making these goddamn things in the first place, you know. Oh yeah, I one of the thing one of the worst things I did was during the Christmas season when that shit was popular and everybody was fighting each other to get them. I was bringing a pallet of freaking I don't even remember what it was. It was just like cheap. It wasn't even like name brand toys. It was just cheap friggin' Taiwan toys that got made that they put on the friggin' filler shelves. And there's a whole pallet of this stuff. And I'm bringing this out, and people somehow assumed that it was friggin' one of those stupid Tickle Me Elmo dolls, and I almost got fucking trampled, because you know, people are friggin' ripping open these boxes and getting pissed when they're finding out it's just junk toys. 
Yep. <laughs> and then they look at when security comes and throws them out of the store for acting like a jagged ape. They freaking look at it. What did I do? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> oh yeah, when say that that Black Friday shopping. That's for the birds. I oh god, I did it one time and once was enough. I go to one store when it's uh, Black Friday. The last several years, I go to Disc Replay because they have such a discount on DVDs and Blu-rays and. PlayStation games. That's like the one store I will go to on a Black Friday. But like, yeah, that's it. Not going yep. to any big box retailers. That is that is not for me. I do not need to see the stupidity of America. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I will. I will get on Cyber Monday. <laughs> oh, Shop yeah. For my home. yeah, exactly. I will buy everything on the internet anymore. <laughs> but anyway, we digress. We digress, folks. But we're yes, both yes. former retail workers, so. <laughs> We yeah, had we to know gripe the horror, here a little bit. We know the horror behind the horror. Yeah. <laughs> horror behind the scenes. Behind the years. But uh, now Chucky is finally finishes his chant, but it's too late, and he is pissed off to the highest point of festivity. And now all he wants to do is kill Andy and Kyle and pretty much everybody that gets in his way. Um, Shoo the Benny Hill chase music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they could have pretty much played that music here if they would have just sped it up a little bit. They could have it would have fit just fine. But this place, this is my my idea here though. I, I put here and I put an asterisk next to this note was, who organizes this fucking factory anyways? It's set up like <laughs> like it's like like the shining hedge maze of good guy dolls. Okay. <laughs> now, being a warehouse worker, that is the exact same thing that it's came to my mind from years of warehouse retail is like who the fuck set up this production line it's so askew (laughs) well you know what it the the last 15 20 minutes of this movie i mean from here on out that we got about 15 minutes left i now you can stop me if i'm wrong and and, or or agree with me either way it's, it's cool but i feel like the last 15 minutes of this was if Tim Burton had gotten a hold of it and directed it. It all feels very childlike and very toy-like, like the assembly yeah, line, yeah, the way the it's set up. colors and all this stuff. It's like, okay, who did they make this production like? Well, we're a toy factory. Yeah, mm. but they're still not going to use bright colors. And you're going to have the ketchup and mustard yellow and red. Yeah. Baby boy blues. And Well, we're going to paint our production line like the same color of our boxes because that's what we do. Of course. Right. Then again, knowing corporate America, it's a possibility. Yeah, it's not they that. They file it up for something stupid like improving employee morale. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they're going to improve employee morale. Not by uh, giving them a living wage, but by, by painting things in mustard yellow and ketchup red, you know? <laughs> Oh shit! That yeah, that, that that's, which, that's, by the way, speaking of the production line and the setup, we find out exactly how well this company operates with the fucking one of the last kills of the movie, Mister Old Cartoon Bug Eyes himself. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I when they're when Kyle has got Andy and they're both going through that line where you know the 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 machine is coming down and inserting the eyes, basically injecting the eyes into the. The good guy dolls, like yeah. they they really have nowhere else to run or nowhere else to go besides going through that very dangerous, you know, uh, 
assembly line, line part, running. yeah, where they could get punctured and you know have uh, two point three seconds. And I'll tell you right now, anybody that's worked a factory line watches that movie, and they're like, "That is pure bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, but yeah, I still that's part like of the it. Reasons. Oh, I do too. It's a great kill, but you know, and I, I put down here because I'm a sarcastic asshole that used to work in a factory. It's like, well, you know what? That's what happens when you don't follow lockout and tag out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that guy plays stupid he, games, win stupid prizes, and that guy fucking hit the jackpot. Yep, he ended up fucking uh, getting sliced and diced by Chucky, and then getting uh, his own eyes replaced with a set of good guy doll eyes. Uh, and this is the part where I had to make a note. I, I didn't know if you knew this, but I had no idea when they made the original Child's Play movie. The Chucky doll was left over. I think Kevin Yeager had done the effects who had also done the effects for um, the Tales from the Crypt show on HBO. They reused the uh, original Chucky eyes, and I've seen a side-by-side comparison, and I I find it to be legit, is that they used Chucky's eyes for the Crypt Keeper. Yes, that is legit from what I understand of the story as well. Because I was like, wait, really? Didn't, you know, the more research I've done on it, it's pretty legit so i'd, I'd yeah. say that that is definitely true yeah and it it, it, it makes sense i mean the special effects company is going to try to cut yeah. every corner they can to make the, a dollar stretch and i checked and it was kevin yeager that had done both the the effects for both so you know i'm willing to believe this one they say you can't believe half of what you or even not even half of what you read on the internet but i'm willing to believe this one you know so part of chucky lives on in the crypt keeper and i find that i don't know somewhat poetic yeah But yeah, this poor guy, he's, again, he's just fucking fodder. He don't even get, I don't even think he has a name in the movie. I don't think he gets a, what does he get, like, one speaking line? Like, hey, what is this? Like, oh, (laughs) god damn it, not again. You know? Because actually, I went back and checked over uh, the, the name of the characters. His name was just Technician. Technician? Yeah, there's three different characters, all just named Technician. Not even technician number one, number two, number three, just plain old technician. You're just the air technician. Yeah. <laughs> you get, hey, he, he got to get killed by uh, Chucky on, on camp. Right. You know, so I, I, I would take a role as just playing random technician third from the right in a Chucky movie. I would go for that any day of the week. Oh, shit. Yeah, just being an extra in the background is cool. Right, right. <laughs> But here's it's it's basically like a, an episode of uh, Tom and Jerry from here on out. It's it's Chucky t- chasing, you know, Kyle and Andy down hallways, up you know conveyor belts, through belt. boxes, up boxes, up a chute. <laughs> yeah, but then when he gets his hand, this is one I put an asterisk on. When he gets his hand closed in that that grate, and he pulls off his own half his own arm in his hand, it's. I mean, I know it's just, it's oh, just it's a gruesome. movie, it's just a doll, <laughs> but it's like you really, they did such a good job between Brad Dorr's voice and the reaction of the puppeteering, like you feel yeah, like... Yeah, it was amazing. Like the pain was good definitely shot. there. But he does a, he kind of pulls an ash from Evil Dead. He, uh, what does he do? He fashions a weapon out of his stump. He fashions yep. his knife. Sticks it in the end of his stump, which is as equally painful to, to watch. Yes. And, oh God. Yeah, it makes your makes your butthole pucker just a little bit, don't it? Oh yeah. 
you're talking to somebody who's carterized their own wound before. And let me tell yeah. you something. That, that, that's the day you earn your man card. And that, <laughs> that, that was definitely a whoo. Oh, I don't know if I could do all that now. Yeah. But then, uh, that's how yeah, get, right that's after. That's how you get the damn infection, man. That's how you get infected. Yeah. Oh, God. That's how you pass out, too. Yeah. <laughs> but Chucky's oh. a trooper. He, he you know, makes a, a, a knife arm out of it. Uh, Kyle's plan, though, uh, while as much as I love her character and her being proactive and, and being like Andy's best friend, her plan of going along the assembly line is just riddled with faults. Which one, of course, results in the death of the the technician, our random technician guy. Yeah. But you know, hey, you know. Yeah, but that's also te- the day that Chucky becomes a real boy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. He gets kicked in the old gonads. Kicked. He gets a stack stapled to a board with the friggin' hairs. Well, doesn't, she, <laughs> doesn't she kick him? Kick him in the nuts, and then he gets. Uh, you know, when the, the, the sewing mechanism, like, basically staples his his manhood to the... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I put in my note. Chucky gets his sack stitched with it, with hair. Now he's a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, I, I, love the, I love the fact that they, they think they've got him a couple of times. You yeah, know, that I'm, part, well, like, when, they, when he gets stapled to that board and they shut the machine down and slam it into reverse and he goes in there and you just... See the doors close after what happened to the last one that was in there wrong, and he'll just like, "Oh my god!" And you hear him, he's <laughs> and then it comes back out, and it's just like random arms and heads sticking out a big pile of molten rubber and plastic. And you, you, think, you know, like, oh, they got him. <laughs> nope, not quite. He's like, it's covered in blood and everything. I was like, nope. Chucky cuts off his own fucking legs to get this kid. Like that is some that is, hate is a powerful tool. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot what his line was when he's like, I'm, when he says to Andy, he's like, you know what I'm gonna do is something to the along the lines of when I'm I, gonna when cut I off your legs. When I too. get over there, I'm gonna grab you and I'm gonna cut off your legs. <laughs> it's That's like great. oh god, yeah. It's pretty, it's per, it's pretty gruesome. I mean, they put uh, old Chucky through the fucking ringer in this one. Yeah, he does. But you know, they end up pouring molten uh, that molten rubber or molten plastic all over Chucky. But he's still not done until they right. stick an air hose in his mouth and blow him up. I call this uh, what I call it the big trouble in Little China death, where they blow him up <laughs> with right. air and <laughs> right, it right. Is. It is. It's pretty much, a, you know, it's yeah. a straight up, yeah, it's a straight up fucking big trouble little China death. Blows him up until he reaches the point where he can't hold any more air and just blows the fuck up. And that is, I mean, like, essentially, that that is not the end of our story, but it is the end of our movie. Because... Uh, a little fun fact about that last scene, too. It was shot in my hometown. Uh, at, no uh, kidding. At, yeah, in the insane asylum. Uh, Shapiro. Uh, no kidding, I've been yeah, there. Yeah, the the multi plastic scene. Um, they actually shot it in one of the old factories um, that they didn't use, and it stayed there so long because after the movie was shot, it was just something that they didn't use. So for years, that big pile of molten plastic that was legit molten plastic. It was stained on the floor where they nice. shot that scene. 
do they use it for filming uh, anymore these days, or what, is that building I'm even still sure there? They, no, the building's still there. Um, I don't know what it's doing now, but last I knew, um, you know, filming happens out here quite a bit. They shot uh, uh, Public Enemies out here for a house that was out by me for I remember the, that uh, hideout scene from Dillinger. Um, Tom Hanks was here for shooting Road to Perdition and Moments for a little while. Oh, I got family on uh, Moments. There's 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 quite a few like uh, Insidious Two, I think, or no, not Insidious Two, uh, Sinister Two. Uh, oh, I love that. Was movie. shot here. Uh, in my mom's, uh, before my mom passed away, when we were still living in our apartment in St. Anne, uh, one of the uh, uh, shop stores was turned into that opening scene of the mom and the kid going to the store and driving off. And he was like, I know right in that spot where that town is. I was like, that's, hey, <laughs> is that, that is St. Anne. <laughs> Well, I remember when they filmed part of uh, Public Enemies not too far from where I used to live in Indiana, where they had filmed uh, in Crown Point, where Dillinger was actually held in the, in the jail cell overnight. And I was just like, I recognize that place because I shopped at the antique store across the street from there. Right. Oh, and there's yeah. one, uh, one final part of our story. Kyle tells Andy as they walk off into the sunset and the credits roll that they're going home, even though she has no idea where the fuck that is. Right. <laughs> That's why I kind of wrote here, happy ending, but, like, for who? Because, like, now we, we got, like, more dead bodies. The foster the, the foster care lady is is dead. A couple factory workers are dead. I mean, like, how are they going to explain that to anybody? Exactly. You know? Again, it, it's just like in, in the first movie. You're never going to be able to explain it to, to anybody. To anybody's going to fucking believe you. But uh, it's not a happy ending because poor Andy and, ends up getting tortured further in part three, and then he would he would go on to disappear as a character for the the next couple of movies. But then uh, Alex Vincent would come back to play Andy Barkley because he did not play Andy Barkley in part three because. They fast forwarded a couple of years to when Andy was a teenager, so Alex Vincent didn't, you know, was not the correct age that they that no. they wanted. So, you know, I under understand that, but I really, really liked it when they brought back Alex Vincent as an adult to play the grown up Andy. Yes, Martin. it was it was just so nice to see. It's like, hey, awesome, made me yeah. smile ear to ear. Yeah, it just it was like bringing it back home to me. It really did. It gives you that warm fuzzy feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, that being said, we have talked about the movie from beginning to end. Let's go ahead and give our final thoughts and review this sucker. Um, you know the, the rules, guests go first, so we're, go ahead and give your rating on a scale from 1 to 10, sir. I'm going to have to give it a 9. I'm going to have to. It's just it's one of those sequels, like I said, it, it follows the continuity well. It sets up well. They progress the story further they don't regress they don't you know there are a few continuity errors here and there those are forgivable yeah the fact that it, it flows so well from you could watch the first movie and go right into the second one <laughs> you know that, that that that's what a sequel is all about that is what a sequel is supposed to be 
you know, and, and like I said, 90% of the time sequels are horrible. <laughs> so when you get a rare gem like this, it's like it said, it's almost up there with the first one, you know. I would agree. I, I would I would say, like I said, it's right on par or just like, like just that half a step beneath it, you know. Um, yeah. But you said you gave it a, a nine. It's 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 got to be a nine for me. I'm coming in pretty close. I'm pretty close. I'm coming in at an eight. I think I give uh, the original, if I look back at my notes here, yes, I give the original a nine. I give the second one an eight. They do play off really well. It's a, you know, like they could play almost, again, like uh, I made the reference already before tonight, you know, of like Halloween one and two, like you could really watch Child's Play one and two continuously together and it would flow really, really well. Third one, you know, of course there's a, quite a bit of a time jump and whatnot, but not only that, but you know what? First, there's another reason why I give it a nine. Yeah. First and second movie. Friggin amazing. They are definitely in the categories of horror. Mm-hmm. Three, three is a good movie for all of you fans out there that do love three. I love three as well. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. Same. But Same. <laughs> that being said, that's also where the movie starts to transgress into horror comedy. Yeah, it's kind of part three. Hap- there's a, a situation that happens with a lot of part threes where there's a tonal uh, difference. It's kind of like a Nightmare on Elm Street one and two. Firmly rooted yeah, I- in horror, very little comedy, very little one-liners. By the time you get to three, the comedy balance is off. Yeah, and it's again, the gallows humor. Yeah, and I don't mind it. I don't mind no, it I don't at all. Mind it. I don't. But mind I must it, prefer but... my horror straight up. You know. Yeah. Yes. If I'm going, if when I when I'm in a in a good horror comedy mood, sure, all means I love me some horror comedy. But yeah. if I'm I love, going I love me some purist, Blood <laughs> but if I'm going horror purist, man, I got to take one and two, and I got to go three. Separate that into horror, starting into horror comedy, and you know, six and seven brought it back around. Back to that, right. you know, curse and curse and cult brought it back to that, you know, feel of oh, this is gritty horror. You know, right, I, right. I liked how they did that. Back to the roots. That is that is true, and then that's where I'm at with this one. Uh, this one was, you know, it stayed true to the original theme. It, it worked out well. Andy Barkley's character kind of, you know, it really kind of brought it around full circle. They could have, they could have, to be honest, could have ended it with this one. They could have, but I'm so glad they didn't because Chuck yeah, ex- exactly. He's one of my favorite, you know, on screen, you know, horror movie slashers. And I'm even for, you know, the fact that we had to sit through see <laughs> to Chucky, you know, somewhere along the lines, there's gonna be a misfire, but Yeah, you damn. can't you can't make a seven movie trilogy and you know, not have one misstep. And you know what? One misstep is definitely forgivable. And especially yes. because it's 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 not so much of a misstep as it is as the times are changing, you know, things that, you know, we could get away with in the 80s and the early 90s, you know, during that time, you couldn't get away with anymore. Times were changing. And, you know, it, it's good to see that change. And you, but the other side of that is, is that you're going to have movies when the times are changing so drastically that you're going to get a misstep. You're going to get one of those off feeling movies but at least i can say you know it's not near as bad as like jennifer well what the hell is her name jennifer lopez and friggin 
<laughs> uh, Ben Affleck making a movie together. <laughs> right, right. Really. Say when you think when I think of missteps of movies that have not aged well, I think of uh, something like Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. You know, Fred, oh god, yeah, Freddy. It's still good. I love, you Freddy, know, I, I love, I love Freddy, and I love the the, the humors. But yeah, you watch Freddy's Dead, and it just it doesn't hold up that great. But yeah, but we'll have to review that one at some point, you know, along the lines. Yeah. Well, anytime we'll... Roseanne and Tom Arnold show up, you know, there's going to be some. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. When they're the, the celebrity cameos that you're getting in the movie, you know, something something is foul in Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because like, another one of those move, movie moments where I was sitting there literally, you know, people surrounding me watching this movie. And they show up on screen and they're just like, oh, what the fuck? Right. Everybody's like, son of a bitch. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor purist. Right, right. Oh, yeah, that movie. Yeah. Other than the 3D sequence, I, I don't really remember that movie very fondly. And I, on a side note, still have two pairs of my uh, 3D glasses <laughs> that I got when I saw it originally back in the 90s. So, Oh, nice. Not many of my memorabilia survived over through many moves and and different uh, things, but those are somehow still uh, ended up on my shelf. <coughs> but that right. being said, we'll call it an end to the festivities. I want to thank you once again. I know it was uh, quite a chore trying to get our schedules to align and get everything t- tech-wise, getting anything tech-savvy on down, but I was glad we were able to you know, have get everything worked out and finally have another meeting of the minds. I I know this is only the second show that we've done, but it just makes me remember how much I love fucking just talking horror movie shop with you. But oh. I appreciate you taking a couple hours out of your time. I know you got, uh, you know, a lot of shit going on. So appreciate you just taking well, the time. Out. Always fun being on here, and it's always fun hanging out with you. You know that. Yeah. Well, one of these days we will have to actually like figure out a way to get us together you know we'll either have to come out by your place or something or get uh, you and nikki to come out here by patty and i's place you know we'll have to you know once we get all this quarantine shit under control and everybody is good we'll have to have like a little movie night we got a little uh outside enclosed porch where we have our drive-in movie nights so while the weather is nice and still persisting to be nice we'll have to get together and actually have like a little double feature maybe we'll do child's play one and two Oh, yes. It would be fun. He said, we have so many horror movies under our belts. We can just throw in anything and have a blast. <laughs> right, right. And we'll do our own live commentary. <laughs> oh. oh, yes. Well, right Nobody on. can rip apart, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Well, everybody, I want to thank you for tuning in for another episode of Sequel 2, Deja Vu. This, uh, I am your host, Cameron Scott, and this has been my good friend and co-host, Eric Phillips. And we want to thank you for your patronage and always listening to us and keep coming back because we're not done yet. Thanks for listening. See you later. Thanks, everybody. Put the knife down, and we'll talk about it.